Well, it's been two weeks since I last spoke to you, but and a lot has happened in the sports world, but I'm about to say the most important thing that I'm going to say in this entire episode, and it has absolutely nothing to do with sports. How many more do you need to make a change? I think last week's scene in Uvalde, Texas, if that's how you pronounce it, I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. I'm at a loss for words. I'm at a loss for words. The lack of action that has been taken since Sandy Hook, Stoneman Douglas, the nightclub shooting in Orlando, the list goes on and on and on. No action has been taken. None. And another thing, the lack of action that police officers took when they knew the situation was happening... And they just said, you know what, nah, we'll let them handle it themselves. Resulted in over 20 people being killed. I was in Houston when it happened and I was distraught. I was distraught, plain and simple. It's time, it's time for some overdue change. And I want to give credit to the New York Yankees and Tampa Bay Rays for rather than tweeting about the game during a game sometime last week, They spent the entire game tweeting horrifying facts about gun violence. And on today, on this Gun Violence Awareness Day, I urge you all, take a stand. Enough is enough. Thank you. We move to the feature presentation now, and I know it's a bit of an awkward transition, but welcome into this... NBA Finals special, could you call it, Full Court Press? We have Golden State Warriors resident expert Adam Campos on the call today. I appreciate that little title, Liam. Thank you. I'm excited to be on here with you. Yeah, I know we have a lot of basketball to talk, but I want to hit on hockey really quick. And I'm just going to say, you're not a big hockey guy. You told me you're not a big hockey guy. So I'm not a big hockey guy, I'll admit, but I do have a team, the San Jose Sharks. That that's my squad. Okay. They haven't really done much though from the time point in times that I'll kind of pay attention to them for. They a haven't bit. been relevant since they made the Western Conference final three years ago. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I have not been paying attention to them much. But so. real quick, Colorado up two nothing on Edmonton. That's a series that in all honesty should be a lot closer than two nothing given the star talent each team has. With the series shifting back to Alberta, I think it could get really, really interesting because that fan base is raucous. I mean, they've been raucous since Gretzky, Jerry Curry, and Grant Forer were playing for them back in the 80s. And then, real quick on the Eastern Conference Series, Rangers-Lightning. The Rangers have a 2-0 lead on the two-time defending cup champs. I got to be honest. I'm rooting for New York. I'm sick of Tampa. And I know that's ironic coming from me, being a New England Patriots fan, but... It's not my team doing all the winning, and it's also not often I'm seeing it. I'm you see me rooting for a team from New York City, but here we lie. I mean, do you have anything to add to that? Go Rangers, honestly, go Avs because I don't want a Canadian team to win. No, I, you're the <laughs> hockey guy, honestly. So I'm not even I'm, that I'm much t- of I'm not even that much of a hockey guy. Hey, I'm, honestly, from what I've heard at our time at school and everything, honestly, it just seems like everybody on the East Coast is like, especially Northeast, is hockey people. So I, I leave that talk to you guys. <laughs> West Coast, we don't really have it like that. So I, I, I just leave it alone, to be honest. I mean, f- fair enough. Okay, now we get into what you've been waiting to talk about. Hoops, and we have a lot to talk about. Beginning with the Dallas Mavericks. 
it's hard to criticize them because, let's be honest, they had a fantastic season. They hadn't been out of the first round since Dirk was in his prime, unless I'm mistaken. And now all of a sudden, you make the jump all the way to the Western Conference Finals. You embarrass Phoenix on their home court in Game 7. But they just died. Yeah. Okay. First off, how you say that, too. Like, this is the first time that they made it out the first round since Dirk. That's why I do not want to hear the Luka had no help narrative that people were trying to toss out oh, throughout that entire no. series. I, I, I'm sorry. Because if they if Luka did not have help, it would have been the same outcome that they've been having year after year since, they, since that run with Dirk. So when you got guys like Dinwiddie, we all know what Dinwiddie is capable of. The man is a bucket. He showed it in Brooklyn. He showed it a little bit in Washington. I think since the injury that he had, it's been a little bit rocky for him. But still, when you got a guy like him who can be a second a second player to Luka, uh, he's always going to be a threat. Brunson came alive in the playoffs, and he had a hell of a series against and uh, against Phoenix. And then also, too, Bertans is a great role player. Finney Smith has turned into a great role player. Max Kleber, he came out of nowhere, and, is, and he honestly had a great postseason. So to me, if they didn't make the Western Conference Finals, I guess you can make the fact that Luka has no help. But you got it to that, that stage in the Western Conference? No. Luka had help. The so. narrative that Luka didn't have help is one of the most preposterous things I have ever been told. Plain I'm glad simple. you agree with me. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm I'm going to give credit to the Warriors. I mean, game six, Clay decided to come out a game early this time around. He looked, I mean, I mean, you're wearing your Warriors shirt right now, so all power to you. I mean, and Jalen Brunson is going to get the bag this summer. I'm a Big East guy. Unzi and I talked about it a few weeks ago. I saw him play back in college when he was with Villanova. I saw him win the national championship game back in 2016 against North Carolina. They've mm-hmm. got ballers. And then, like you said, you have guys like Bertans. He's an excellent three-point shooter. Finney Smith, Bullock, Kleba. The list goes on and on. So the narrative that Luka didn't have help is preposterous. But that being said, I would have liked to see it be more competitive. I mean, game neither games one nor game two were particularly close. Game three, they led an opportunity to win on their home court and get back in the series, go by the Riverside. And then game mm-hmm. four, I mean, at this point, what are you playing for? Pride? You pick up a win, cool, and then the Warriors blow you out in Game Five. So credit to Dow, credit to Golden State, credit to Golden State. Wiggins played well, Porter played well, their entire supporting cast really played well. Heck, Kevin Looney played well. But Kevon, oh, is it Kevon? Kevon, got you on that. Aren't they? I, I could, I could have sworn they were saying Kevin on last night's broadcast. Like, I could be wrong though. Yeah, I I just know it's Kevon. So. Okay, okay, I'll, yeah. I I trust you for that more than the broadcast should be told. But I would have liked to see more of a fight, plain and simple. It's a great season with a horrible ending. Yeah, honestly, because like you said, I mean, granted, even though they were up by fifty at one point, no, that was the Memphis series. Even though they were up thirty on Golden State at one point, the fact that they let a a squad with two rookies and pretty much bench players on any other roster in the league come back and almost win this game for golden state. And then Jake Kidd had to go back and put Luca in the game. And even then at that point, the Brooks and that's that team right there, they were still keeping the game game afloat. They were still pushing that comeback. I think it would have been nice to see that squad finish mm-hmm. the comeback attempt because it's like, as soon as you, you subbed in the guys, it just, it seems like all the minimum was just lost 
But granted, also, when you put in Luca too, Luca he got a few quick buckets and everything, and out of the timeout, Finney Smith got that dunk. So that honestly, that game wasn't had to have been a sense of pride for, for Dallas. But at the same time, they, they didn't really get any type of sense of pride because you almost gave up a 30-point lead. Yeah, and in terms of what I would like to see Dallas do this offseason, obviously priority one is re-signing Brunson. He's a restricted free agent. Mm-hmm. Some team out there is going to give him a bag of a an offer sheet, and Dallas is going to have to break open the brink truck to max it, or excuse me, match it. And in terms of what else we might see Dallas do, I kind of want to see them go after a big, not necessarily a Carl Anthony Towns or a Rudy Gobert, but a Robert Williams type. And that's this. Don't worry, Boston is not getting rid of Big Shot Bob anytime soon. But a player like that could pay a lot of dividends. Because I'm sorry, Dwight Powell isn't cutting it. And another thing, you gotta you gotta keep Dinwiddie too. Oh yeah, if you could keep that that like three guard offense right there, mm-hmm. I think I think Dallas will be set for a while in terms of their their backcourt and everything. Front court wise, you got you got a few shooters in Cleve, in Cleaver and Bertans, but I they don't have anybody that's like a dog. No, because you know like with with the Warriors, you got Draymond and you got uh, Gary Payton the second. They're dogs out there on the court, especially on the defense. I'll end. even throw and I'll then, even throw Jordan Poole into that class. It, 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 with his attitude, yeah, he is. And also too, when you look at at Boston, Marcus Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart is a dog. So I think if if Dallas is actually able to get a guy like that to be able to to bring more energy to the team, to be able to actually like make some stops, key stops like that, like those guys are able to, yep. or just again to have that attitude like Jordan Poole does, that's going to build a lot of confidence into this team. Well, while we're on the topic of dogs, this feels like a perfect transition into Jimmy Butler. I'm going to be honest with you, I. I don't, I don't think I ever publicly said this, but I thought to myself during the series, Jimmy Butler isn't an elite offensive player. Game six and seven, I said he isn't an elite offensive isn't. player. Okay. I, I, didn't, I don't think I said it publicly, but I told a few close friends and yeah. Game six no. and seven, games six and seven changed my mind. What he did single-handedly lifted the Miami Heat up back into contention against Boston they were dead men in the water after Game 5. I mean, Lowry and Struess, I don't think, hit a single field goal in either Game 4 or Game 5. That starting five had 18 points combined in Game 4. And Game 5, they're not much better. In Game 6, Jimmy Butler picks the team up, twirls them on his back into Game 7, and then comes up just short in Game 7. I credit to him or credit to him. I was going to say, yeah, credit to Jimmy Butler. I mean, you saw it against the series against the Lakers in 2020, and then you saw it again this year. He he fights. And all credit to him for that. To say he's an elite offensive player, though, I, I'd have to disagree with I'd have to disagree with you on that. Because it's he's not a guy that you look to to automatically just be able to, to create his own shot or anything like that. I think what just what makes Jimmy Butler so special, he just plays basketball the right way. Mm-hmm on it like there's it's as simple as that he just plays basketball the right way he puts his heart out on defense he gets his rest on offense but when the time comes he's a, he's able to who really put this team on his back and whether it's on the offensive side or defense side whatever he needs his team to do he does it and it just so happened to be that in the celtic series he needed to take the load on offense and he did just that and that's why it's that's why i love jimmy butler as well because again he just plays the game the right way and he does whatever he needs his team to do he did it he did it in philadelphia he, he's done it with miami and i just think that's how he's going to keep going with it 
does he need help? That I maybe a little bit because again, you can't be having him be the one when he's not a, an offensive threat like that. You can't have him be the one to put the team on his back. Yeah, you mentioned offense. you mentioned the concept of them needing him to be the top option. I think that when they need him to be the top option, as in need need him, then he elevates his game quite a bit. Because let's be honest, other than Game Three, a game in which Robert Williams was out, Adebayo was a non-factor in the series. Bubble That's boy, true. Bubble boy missed the back half of the series and. <laughs> Yeah, keep laughing at that. And then when you look up and down the Heat lineup, Kyle Lowry, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, do those scream major offensive threats to you? No. Not at all. No. And I, and I know Kyle Lowry, he's a fantastic flopper, but getting he's up... He's washed. Yeah, he's a little washed. He's getting up there in age. He doesn't have the same offensive attack mode that he used to have. So the thing about Jimmy Butler that... I mean, he has rubbed me the wrong way ever since that whole fiasco in Minnesota a few years ago. But, and he always has that little smirk on his face that kind of drives you the wrong way. But he is not someone I want to face in the playoffs again. His, Absolutely not. His performance in the bubble, which albeit was a bit of a fluke, as we now know, was impressive. What he did against the Lakers, I mean, that picture of him with his back hunched over with his arms leaning against the padding is an all-time photo. I mean, I understand they ended up losing the series, but by God, did he give it everything he had. He emptied the gas tank fully. Exactly. And credit to him, man. Credit to him. Uh, The thing about Miami, though, and we'll talk about Game 7 a little more micro in a minute, they need a second star. Yeah, because, I mean, Oladipo... I think he was supposed to be that guy like early in his career. He was going to be somebody that could complement another superstar along the line, but his injuries, not being able to get out on the court, not really finding any momentum or anything like that. I don't see Oladipo ever being that guy again, that he was in Indiana. And it's sad too, because so, I really like him it, in Indiana. It, it really is. I like Oladipo. And Again, like you mentioned, Max Struess, you got who else you say? Even Duncan Robinson. I I, I was kind of surprised that he wasn't yeah, playing he was, more. He was a non-factor, essentially. He was barely playing. Exactly. I, I remember I, I tweeted it. I was like, okay, I haven't been paying much attention to the Heat this this year. But a guy that you signed for 90 mil and you got him on the bench like that. Over, and especially fi- over, with the, fi- over five years, too. Exactly. And with the kind of strap that he has – that's somebody that can get you going real quick on offense if he gets two or three threes going. So to he me, was another I, guy, I mean, he was another guy who had a big series back in the bubble against Boston. Exactly. Uh, so maybe this whole Miami team might just be a whole bubble fluke, but they obviously <laughs> weren't because they got the one seed. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. It, it just, it just amazes me how that that team actually. The one thing I will counter to that whole mm-hmm. thing is a lot of the. Oh, maybe not a lot. A lot of the pieces from that bubble team are back with this team, with the exception mm-hmm. of Crowder and Iguodala are the two that come to mind. Other than that, that is true. This team is pretty much whole tacked. So yeah, you would think kind of have it like you have that that chip on your shoulder. Like you lost in the bubble, you got swept by by Milwaukee last year. You would think like, all right, we could really put ourselves back into into the situation that we were in the bubble, putting ourselves into the final. But again, when you don't have any other second option and you have Jimmy Butler as your main guy, again, not being that offensive threat, it's tough. Yeah, and I think it, it's it really interesting is. that in the two years after the bubble, they got pounded by Milwaukee and lost to Boston. Both teams who 
were kind of seeking revenge after what happened in the bubble. Yep. Particularly Milwaukee. They just blew the ransackets off of them. Oh, yeah. They were, no, they were coming for blood <laughs> they last were, year. It was, it was crazy seeing what Milwaukee was doing. And especially, they were down two zip in the finals to the Suns. The Suns had full control of that series. Oh, yeah. And they just blew it. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you have Chris Paul on your team. Okay, now we'll go yeah. micro into game seven. Something that's been trending all over social media. And heck, even the player himself in the middle of it posted a picture of it on his Instagram feed. Max Struess had a three-pointer overturn due to a quote-unquote controversial call where a picture has been shown of his heel not touching the out-of-bounds line. Rewind five frames. It's a different story. I'm sorry. You know what I don't like about that? Because I was I was thinking back about it in my head. I couldn't remember exactly what the play was. I was wondering if it was on a fast break and he just wasn't set and all that. And then I was thinking to myself, okay, that's just bad awareness of the court. Like you, when you're a guy like that, that's supposed to be a spot-up shooter, you got to be aware of where you're at on the court. So yeah. to have a turnover like that, but it, I look back at the play and it was just off a simple flare. He curled around, hit a pump fake, went to the corner, he made the three. There was no call. So if there's no call on the initial play, I feel, I don't think that's something you go back and review because it wasn't it wasn't like it was in time in the last two minutes or anything like that. If I'm correct, right? And no, it was in the third quarter. It's in the third quarter. That's not a that's not a play you review, and that that could have been like a the game for them, honestly. Because if you go down to that moment when Jimmy Butler he pulls up for that three, he, they would have been tied. There's no at that, there's that no time. way to guarantee that though. There's no way to guarantee that though. That is true, but. That's probably like what a lot of the people are. A That's lot what a lot of people are, are saying, but there's no way to guarantee that would have happened. That's the yeah. butter. That's the butterfly effect, Adam. You have no idea, none, what would have happened. And for all you Heat fans complaining that he was not in fact out of bounds, he traveled before he got the shot up. He did. He <sighs> took three to steps. One, two, three. It. Boom. You wave your arms, travel. You go the other way. Because pump fake. I'd have to look back at it because I, I wasn't paying attention. I was just paying attention to like what the play was. Also, also, also another thing. There were two overturned calls in the last or calls that should have been the other way in the last two minute report. Both mm -hmm. of them went Miami's favor. It was a defensive three seconds that should have been called as well as a travel. So the narrative that the refs cost Miami the game is plain childish. And Max Struess posting that on his Instagram story, I mean is kind of sore loser-esque. Yeah, I see I see the frustration in it like the, the fact that they lo they lost and but even then when you have when you have the 2 minute report that doesn't mean anything honestly. The 2 minute report I think get rid of that. I'm sorry, I don't like it really? because there there's no there's no point. They missed the call, you live on with it or they made a bad call, you live on with it. It's not going to change the outcome of the game. So if you're really going to be paying attention that much to it, it's like we all know NBA refs suck. So <laughs> I, I I just don't know why people trip off of it so much. Yeah, and I mean this was a frankly I'm gonna be honest with you this series should have been over a lot quicker than it was. If Boston doesn't implode in game three of the first in game in the third quarter of game one or the first quarter of game three, the series is over a lot quicker than it actually was. So I even mean, in game six, I would say honestly, yeah, because you had a, you had a moment to close out on your. We home had a moment court to close out on our home court, but. Then Jimmy Butler happened, so I'm not really going to 
get all upset over that. I'm a, I will get upset over imploding in two quarters, though. That is true. As yeah, we'll talk. We're oh, talk oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to talk about imploding in a quarter. Speaking right now, of imploding will. in a quarter, the Golden State Warriors in the fourth quarter last night were minus twenty-four. That is the single largest differential in a single quarter in NBA Finals history. And that was enough to propel Boston to a 120 to 107. Was that the correct final score? I think so. 120 to 107 victory in 120 to 108. 120 to 108. There we go. That victory in game one of the 2022 NBA Finals, the Celtics lead one to nothing. Campos' head is crunched over. So we'll get into the collapse as a whole momentarily, but judging off of this game as a whole, what are your initial thoughts? Dude, honestly, as a bat, I'm not even going to talk about it like Warriors dub, like being a Warriors fan or anything like that. Just talking as a straight basketball fan, the NBA cannot have asked for a better series and for the NBA finals. And especially like the magnitude around it, you're putting a team that is young, that is looking to win their first ring and that has had a chip on their shoulder because they had been knocked out three years in a row. Oh, and you got another team that is trying to revive their dynasty and look for their fourth ring in eight years. And also, too, these are two of the NBA's original teams. They have been in the, the league for 75 years. There's no possible way this could have been more storybook of an ending for this NBA season. So, and honestly, these are the two best teams in the league. They're both great on offense. They're both great on defense. Just overall great teams. They got they got good depth. I think Golden State has a little bit more better depth. I would agree with we'll, that. I would agree with we'll that. We'll talk about that a little bit more. And also, too, it's just you saw it last night. It basketball is I say this all the time. Basketball is a game of runs, and that's exactly what happened last night. Golden State had their moments of runs. Boston had their moments of runs. And each time each team took those runs, it was just beautiful basketball to watch. And even in the back and forth, that was even better to watch. Yeah, I okay, so. First things first, in this historic 75th anniversary season, you have the first dynastic team, true dynastic team, I should add, in the Boston Celtics. And mm-hmm. then you have the NBA's modern dynasty in the Golden State Warriors. So classic old school franchise versus classic new school franchise. What more could the NBA have asked for? And the stories surrounding these teams are both fantastic as well. Like you said, Golden State trying to renew their dynasty. As for Boston... They were 18-21 and 21 and 11th place in the Eastern Conference after R.J. Barrett broke our hearts. And now they're three oh. wins away from the NBA championship. I forgot about that game winner. That was cold. So, that was cold. Uh, real quick, real quick, I was watching that game with my dad a few doors like in my living room. And it was like one and a half seconds left on the clock. I told my dad, like, they're going to hit this. That's how this season has gone, right before the inbound. And then Barrett... Curls up the craziest shot possible, and it banks in. I'm just like, one more needs. One more needs to be said. Exactly. But, but how the tables have turned since then, man. How the tables have turned since uh-huh. then. And, then. and that's the thing. Let me say this too. A lot of Warrior fans, I think we got we got too used to just blowing teams out, honestly. And a lot of people have been questioning. They're they're like, no, nah, Golden State's going to run them. And it's like, no, nah, like this loss is inexcusable. Okay, it is inexcusable. But I think we got too used to being able to blow teams out. I knew going in, this was not going to be an easy series for Golden State. Yeah, a lot Boston, of, a lot of I'm gonna, And I'm just going to call them casuals. A lot of the casuals have been saying, oh, the series isn't going to be close. Golden State is going to blow their ransack. It's off of them. No. 
No. No. No. <laughs> I mean, this was, you were expecting seven games in this series. And honestly, I have I have Golden State in six. But honestly, I would not mind seeing this series go seven games. I don't, think, because, again, I don't think anyone would. You're just seeing beautiful basketball being played. And look at what – and KD tweeted it last night. He's like, this is this is beautiful basketball. Being, whatever his tweet I mean, said, yeah, both, it was along those lines. Both teams are incredibly unselfish. Both teams are fun to watch. Both teams shoot the three ball incredibly well, and we saw that in full force last night. Boston shot yep. over 50% as a team. So buckle up. You're in for one heck of a series. All right, now we get a little more micro. And the first subject I want to talk about is Wardell Stephen Curry. When he was hitting three after three after three in the first quarter, I'm just like, he had six threes in the first quarter, which is the finals record for a single quarter. He's unbelievable. He is the best point guard in NBA history. And at this point, sorry to Magic Johnson and John Stockton and all the other legends of the game. At this point, he has to be the top dog among floor generals. Even as biased as I am uh, of a Steph Curry fan as a Warrior fan, I kind of don't like to get into that conversation. Greatest, greatest NBA point guard of all time. But I mean, when you see what he does on the floor and at the magnitude that he does it, it's just incredible. I mean, I've watched him since he started in his career and just night in, night, night out, no matter what he is doing, the same stuff that he's been doing his entire career, it's you're dumbfounded every time that he does it. And just like last night in, in the first quarter, that was classic Steph. Yeah. And yeah. to also too, I was thinking, I'm like, what? What is Boston doing? Like, if that if that was going to be their defensive method throughout the entire game, and well, also thank God the series, they thank God they adjusted. They could, and and that's the thing too. At first, I was like, like, are they going to adjust? Because he they let that happen the entire first they quarter. Did. And you, but you heard Marker Smart. He said too, you got to go up there and push him out. They're going to be setting it from high, which Golden State likes to do most of the time. Like a lot of NBA teams, they like to start start up near the half court and they like to set the high pick and roll to be able to create something downhill but especially for an elite shooter might I add that's what i'm saying especially when you got steph curry that could pull out from 40 if you're not going to hedge the screen or you're not going to go send a double well then you're you're asking to lose the game like that it's just bottom line yeah so i've seen steph curry i mean i've watched him play for or I've watched him closely play since he really broke out onto the scene in his first MVP season back in 2015. Mm-hmm. And every night I'm amazed. Every night I'm amazed. What God-given talents do you need to have in order to be shooting the ball as efficiently as he does? I mean, you the greatest point guard debate is a discussion for another time. There's no debate that he's the greatest shooter of all time. Even though I love Ray Allen now that him and KG have finally reconciled. Uh, you have a point real quick? And I'm, I'm going to say this, I think by, and there was a good article by Howard Beck for Sports Illustrated just posted not too long ago. I think making the title greatest shooter of all time for Steph, it's accurate for like what he can do as a shooter, but it's not accurate for how he actually plays. I honestly can put Steph up as a top three scorer of all time and possibly the greatest, possibly. I'll emphasize that. Okay. I I see the argument he, if you want to have the greatest scorer debate, you would have to go up against Michael Jordan or Kevin Durant or maybe even LeBron. I don't know. 
Kobe Bryant too. Well, yeah, Kobe Bryant too. <laughs> Kobe Bryant. I mean, that's, <laughs> why, that's why I can't make the argument he is the greatest scorer of all time. But to leave him out of that conversation, to leave him it, out of I, the conversation is absurd at this point. It, it is because it, because his talents don't just encompass shooting the basketball. He's got incredible handles. He's got impe- he's got an incredible ability to attack the basket as well. And to be frank, mm-hmm. make the defenses look silly in the process. He had 34 points last night, 21 in the first quarter. I think if Golden State is to bounce back, they need to get a little bit, ha, make it a little more consistent. Is because you only scored 13 points over the final 36 minutes. That ain't exactly going to cut it. Well, because the problem with with Golden State sometimes, especially in that second group, they just tend to get stagnant. They they fall into these one pass shot possessions a lot of the times. They'll, they don't really control the tempo of the game. They let the other team start to control it, whether they're pushing it, slowing it down. Golden State is a fast-paced team. Most of the time when you have that first group in, they're pushing the ball. They're trying to get into their sets as quick as possible. And Golden State didn't do that, neither no. in the second quarter to come out, and they didn't do it in the fourth, and they just went stagnant. And a lot of, And this is the thing, too. With all due respect, Boston shot the hell out of the ball. I mean, when you hit, what, 10 threes in the fourth quarter? 21 for 41 in the game. Exactly. And and I always say when a team hits 15 plus threes, they're hard to beat. But at the same time, Golden State in a lot of their losses, they just beat themselves because they're just going away from what makes them win. And again, that's moving sides, moving the ball into each side of the court, looking for the back cuts, looking for that off ball movement or anything like that. So anytime they get stagnant, which they did in the fourth quarter, and it just completely killed their game. You're, you're bound to lose when you go away from the winning system that's won you three titles. Yeah, you mentioned Boston shooting the three-pointer well. One player who did not shoot the ball well whatsoever yesterday was Jason Tatum. Three for 17 from the field. We've seen this a lot with Tatum. He's very streaky. If he has a bad night, he'll typically have a really good one the next time out, which is why I think he puts up 35-plus in game two. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. <laughs> but the thing that... Imp- that impressed me about Tatum's game last night was that yeah he was struggling but he found ways to impact the game that didn't necessarily involve scoring 13 assists need I say need I say more I didn't even know I'm not gonna lie I wasn't as soon as that game ended I didn't do social media no I was just I'm done I'm done for the night (laughs) so I didn't I didn't pay attention to any of the any of the um stats or anything like that because like I said I was just I was depressed I was like this is terrible but that's crazy 13 assists yeah. for Tatum? Yeah. Wow. It's a full circle moment. It really is. Because after that, after an early season blown job against the Chicago Bulls at TD Garden, where you had that picture of smart J. Owen and Jason with their heads hunched over in looks of absolute dejection, after the game, Marcus Smart came out and said, they got to do a better job passing the ball. Is 13 assists good enough for you, Defensive Player of the Year? I would think so. <laughs> that's that's pretty that's pretty solid. And so I would take that from anybody, any day. And also, when you look at the guys that were contributing, Derek White had 21 points, led the game with a plus 25 rating. Pritchard was 3 for 4 from the field. Al Horford, 6 of 8 from beyond the arc. Smart was 4 of 7. Without Tatum's passing, they don't get those open looks. It's not... credit. I mean... And is it realistic to expect them to shoot over 50% from beyond the arc again? Absolutely not. But it's not like they were jacking up shots with Draymond in their face or anything. 
Nope. They were wide open looks, and that doesn't happen without Tatum's passing ability. And the thing is, too, like about Golden State's defense, like as great as it is, in a lot of scatter situations, they end up having two or three guys closing out on one person, and you're just leaving those two or th- two guys open or one guy, and that's what happened a lot last night. Boston just did a great job of moving the ball. Well, also too, when Derek White hits a pump fake last second shot, I mean that. that okay, that that like, was crazy. Can, that that's can, the crazy one. They can't miss. Honestly, he was, when, when he hit that, I was like, "All right, this is this is how it's gonna go." He They're was all lot. He was on last night. It, it, I mean, and shout out to Derek White. I mean, because we know his story. It's incredible to see him in the finals. It's a great story. And uh, Al, by the way, uh, too. did you, if you were back on social media today, did you see the comparisons to him and Van Vliet three years ago? Yes, I was talking about. Okay, I I was talking with one of my friends about that last night. As soon as they had a kid, they just decided to be an all-star. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? What what is going on? I'm. It's just. What can I say? I, what can, hey, the, I guess the fatherly instincts propel you to do more. I mean, there's I, there's a picture was trending on social media of Derek White holding his newborn son, watching Game Two of the Heat series, and Boston was dominating. Derek White is a new father. Living a good life, is he not? He, he really is living his best life at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's just it, it was just so crazy last night, and and that's the thing too. Like I said, it. I want to say this as as a kind of a little bit of biasness towards the Warriors. It's t- every game that they have lost this year, the opposing team has hit fifteen plus threes. Really? Yes, every game. So it not knocking Boston's ability to what they can do. I mean, they are a great team. But and it a just great three-point like shooting team, too. Exactly. But every team that Golden State has lost to, it's it's like they need the shooting performance of their lives to beat them. And that's why I'm not too concerned about it, because is Al Horford going to hit six threes in a game? Probably, or again, probably not. He's never done it in his career. I couldn't believe that stat either, when they're like, this is the first time he's hit yeah. six threes. What? Also, Al Horford, most, play, most playoff games ever played in before his finals debut. How about that? And that I think that that was pretty impressive by Horford to come out shooting like that yeah. for first finals game in how long has his career been? He's so. he turned his thirty sixth birthday is today. There you go. He's been doing <laughs> this for a long time, and to see him in the finals, I mean, it, it's good for an NBA vet like him, and he's a respected one as well. I will say it is good respected, to see him in the respected everywhere except Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. That's okay, true. now we have to talk about the fourth quarter collapse because so. Let's actually rewind to the start of the second half. Boston's up two at the half. I tell my dad, you can't let Golden State go on a run here. Lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Golden State outscored Boston 38-24 to in the third quarter, led by 12 at the end of the frame. But then I watched a team die almost. They did. It was bad. They weren't, they, they weren't showing any urgency to get out and close out on the wide-open threes we just talked about. They were jacking up shots, and I know Steph Curry didn't play for the first few minutes. And heck, Otto Porter hit a few big shots in the game, as did Wiggins. Jordan Poole did not have a good game. Klay Thompson was... I'm not going to... You can't have high expectations for Klay Thompson at this point. His comeback story is nothing short of legendary. Then you're not going to get much offense out of Draymond Green. Every time he (sighs) decides to take a three, I jump for joy. Almost like Giannis a few series ago. If you, if them taking a three is the end of the possession, make or miss, you'll live with it. 
Yeah, honestly, I, I'd let Draymond shoot twenty threes if he wanted to. I don't care. I, really? I was the other team. Let let him shoot all the time. Yes. Oh, if you were the other team. If, oh, if I was like... the other team, no. If I was the other team, I'd let Draymond shoot as many threes as he wanted to. I was gonna so... say, you really want Draymond shooting from three? Hell no. <laughs> No. Okay, just making sure. Just making sure. Oh no, not not as a Warrior fan, absolutely not. But if I were the other team, if I were you guys, yeah, I'd let them shoot all the time. But it's just like, like you said, there, I, I'd have to agree with you. There was no sense of urgency. There was no type of camaraderie with them. They just, again, they went stagnant. They went away from what they were doing. Their the tempo of the game just died with them. They weren't pushing the ball. Well, they were sporadic as well at some points tur- with costly turnovers. And that's been their Achilles heel all season long is the turnovers. And you, they, a lot of people were talking about the timeout when Steve Kerr was telling them, get a stop, don't, and get a three. And what do they do? They get a turnover, and Boston comes down and scores. And the bleeding just kept going. And that's the thing. They didn't stop the bleeding sooner no. than they should have. And another thing, two, two stats I want to highlight on. Jordan Poole and Otto Porter, who were both on the floor during the crux of that collapse – Jordan Poole's plus minus in the game was minus 19. Porter's was minus 18. As good as Porter was during the game shooting the basketball, four for five from beyond the arc, another thing you probably won't see again. Granted, good player, not that great of a shooter. I mean, when you go to Georgetown, you're probably not a good shooter. Otto Porter, I think I think he, he's a more – that's kind of why Golden State signed him because they, they wanted another guy okay. that could, could extend He can knock a down bit. a three ball, but is it realistic to expect an 80% clip? No. 80%? Oh, for the game? For the, no. Like, well, down, anybody, you yeah. expect 80%. Uh, I guess that I guess inconsistency happens when you're a Georgetown Hoya. That is true, too. They, they are a lot of athletic athletic downhill guys, so... <laughs> yeah, pool minus 19, Porter minus 18. For your, arguably your top two bench guys, with the exception of maybe Iguodala? Nah. Just nah. By the way, and, I want to... I wish Iguodala had played a little more. For the Warriors' sake. He 3-4 from the field, hit his only three-pointer. He's another one of those dogs. He's a wily old vet who can mm-hmm. get the job done at opportune times. I don't know why Golden State isn't relishing that because I think we've seen over the past few years, as in the two seasons the Warriors didn't even make the playoffs, how important he is to this basketball team. He is. I mean, honestly, he he is one of those those guys, like somebody that you could consider the heart of the team as well. You saw his, even when he was on the bench, he's still saying engage, and he's, he took on that player coach role, honestly. Yeah. And then once you just get him back out on the court, you kind of just see how much smarter Golden State works on the floor. And you put him with Thompson, with Draymond, or with Draymond, and with Curry, too. I mean, that the chemistry that they got, I mean, it's incredible to watch. So it would have been nice to see Udala more on the floor. Granted, he can't move as well on defense no. and everything. So I guess you could call him a defensive liability, but at the same time, with his ability to strip guys because of his length, at the same time, you kind of want to take that risk with him. But somebody I would have liked to see them get into the game, honestly, was Gary Payton. Yeah, that's another thing I want to talk about too. Where was you had, he? You had him available. So I, I kind of wonder, especially – Jalen Brown, I have, I would have stuck, I would have, as soon as Jalen Brown started going off like he was, or just even throughout the game for how well he was playing, I would have tossed in Gary Payton on him Faith, right away. Consistency, hard work pays off. That's Jalen Brown's motto. And I, and I love Jalen Brown. I mean, because before I, before I came to Syracuse, I was a UC Berkeley fan. I was a Cal fan yep, because my yep. mom went there. 
So I watched him at Cal, and even though he wasn't, like, performing like he was expected to as a top prospect, you could just still see the talent that he had. And even in high school, I've been a fan of his since high school. So to see him, high school, college, now in the league, I mean, it's awesome to see what he's what he's doing now, especially in the NBA Finals. He stepped up while Tatum was kind of was struggling. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I think the Gary Payton factor is an interesting one because he's one of the best guard defenders in the league, arguably the best, not named Marcus Smart. Definitely. He, he could he could really impact this team, especially, like you mentioned, in a matchup with Jalen Brown potentially down the line. And back to Iggy, like we were talking about earlier, I don't think we're ever going to get the prime Hamptons five again, or even a reminiscent one of them with someone in to replace KD, perhaps Poole. But he's got, I want to see him play... From a Warriors perspective, 16, 17, maybe even 18 minutes as opposed to 12 could impact this team a lot down the line. And honestly, I, you might be right because like with what he could do, because he has that experience as well, I think it would do Golden State more justice to put him in for longer. Yes. Just because he's just uh, another guy. He just knows how to play basketball. Yes, he does. All right. Before we move into this upcoming section of games that's going to take place before we record next. Draymond Green, after the game, went up to the media table, said this exact word, and I quote, we dominated the first 41, 42 minutes of the game. I think we'll be fine. Thinking you'll be fine is an entirely different concept. If you think that, cool, I'll power to you. I mean, why wouldn't you be confident? You have three rings in the past eight years. But the fact that he said they dominated the first 41, 42 minutes of the game is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. I mean, people are nicknaming him Donkey. Something like that would have come out of Donkey's mouth in Shrek. That's how ridiculous it was. Yeah, I can't. I, I agree with Draymond on a lot of the things that he said. I mean, probably like 90% of the time. I love Draymond. People hate him. I love him. I mean, the, he's, he's, a, I, I he's the guy you hate to play against, but the guy you would love to have on your team. Exactly. But to say that they dominated for 42 minutes of the game, that's not true. Because Boston Boston in the second quarter took over again, and that's how they pushed out into the lead at halftime, because Boston was able to compile those runs against Golden State. So to say that they dominated the entire game, no. Because it was a back-and-forth battle pretty much all, all game long. So And Golden State, yeah, they had it. First quarter, they had, had probably more control. Third quarter, they had a lot of control in the game. Yeah. But when you let Boston come back like they did in the second and fourth quarter, that's not having control for 42 minutes of the game. If you had control 42 minutes of the game, you're you're probably winning this one. But you didn't. You Boston went on two run two big runs to take the lead at halftime and then to eventually win the game. So it's ridiculous. It's obscene, is what it is. And you know, hey Draymond, if I know you're a big listener of this podcast, so if you're listening to this. Please keep saying stuff like that. Please keep giving my team bulletin board material that they can use as fuel to the fire. I mean, Bam Adebayo after game one of the Keith series said, I feel like our energy shifted after that third quarter. What happens in game two? They get their rent seconds blown off of them. So keep talking, Draymond. I'm all ears. I'm sure Ime Udoka is too. I'm sure Brad sound, Stevens is too. The sound bites that he gives are amazing. The sound it's, bites. It's great. Who? Draymond? <laughs> Draymond, it's awesome, it's so honestly. Awesome. It's so, it's just so funny. Yeah, like I said, the guy you would love to have on your team and the guy you would hate to play against, so. Mm-hmm. 
And in terms of what else he said, smart, light, corporate, shoot 15 for 23 from the field. That's probably not going to happen again. You're right, but way to give the bulletin board material. So overall, I think what Draymond said was easily a net negative for Golden State. I don't think it was a – okay, again, he was just – that was – bad whatever he thought the game was 41 42 minutes that was bad because it wasn't that to say that they'll be fine though yeah i mean from an athlete's perspective yeah you're going to want to have all the confidence in the world going in after a loss you're not going to say oh this series is over like we're done like boston if they could do that they're going to win this series. no you don't want to say that you got to come back with attitude we'll be fine and and also too just from an actual game perspective as well they will be fine because again, when is Boston is Boston really going to hit 21 threes again? Probably not. Is I Paul, wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I don't think so. I'm sorry, I don't think so. And if they do, all credit to them. But also too, I just don't. I think this is a point that I want to make actually. If Golden State wins Sunday, one one series, I think that I think they'll be fine. Obviously. And they got a lot of momentum momentum going in. They can steal one on the road. But if Boston wins on Ooh, Sunday, boy. If Boston the series, wins the series Sunday, is over. If Boston, if Boston wins, wins Sunday, Sundays, the series is over. All right. Because, well, that's an interesting way to segue into what we want to talk about. Actually, you know what? Go ahead first. Then we'll transition. Well, because I was going to talk. I was going to say, because Boston and Golden State, neither one of them have lost back-to-back games this postseason. No. So whoever can break that of the other team that they have all again it's all about momentum by that logic boston Boston is in the driver's seat to win the series and they and they are right now because if again you're going in game two that means you stole two on the road road in golden state you're going back for games three two more games in boston and even if golden state steals one you're up three one yeah you may have to go back you'll play golden state eight and five Golden State will probably win game five if they're down. You're still down 3-2, and then you have a chance to close it at home in the NBA Finals. I know they blew it game six in the Eastern Conference Finals, but I would, as a Warrior fan, I would not like to see that situation play out. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so that's an interesting segue to what we will wrap this show up with. At the, by this time next week, four Finals games will have been played. Adam, I want your unbiased opinion on this. What is the series structure a week from now, after games two, three, and four? I, I, like you said, uh, unbiased. I have to say two-two. Biased. I want to say three-one. Obviously, because I think Golden State can win it, can go out three-one. But unbiased perspective, I think it's two-two. I think we're. I really think we're going to see back to back to back to back. Just this Boston win, Golden State win. Boston win, Golden State win. And then it's gonna. It's just gonna be left out there for the last three games so i i just this is such a good series yes it's it's something it could very easily go seven but at the same time it could also very easily be over by this time next week do i think that will happen absolutely not i think boston will have a three to one lead when we record next week but that being surprised it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if golden state is up three one it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if this series is tied at two. It wouldn't surprise me if it's game over as well. That would be absolutely wild if Golden State came out and won three games. In do a I while. think that's? Do you think? Do you think there's? Give me a percentage chance that happens. You're putting me on the spot with this I one. I am putting you on the spot. Uh, I. 
I'm going to give it 20% chance, maybe. Like, that's high still, but that's still low. Like, just to, I don't know. I don't even know if I'd give it 20. I'm giving maybe it a 10. 2. I'm giving it a 2% chance. Maybe a, I think maybe a 10% chance. I think there's a 2% chance. I'll tell you what, I think there's a 4% chance that either team wins the next three straight. I think there's a 2% chance Boston sweeps the series. I think there's a 2% chance Golden State is up 3-1. So... Yeah, you got a 1 in 25 shot because... for a team to win three in a row, but is that realistic? <laughs> Probably not. It, it's really not. Honestly, yeah, I, I think I'll go more with yours. I was just thinking about it, like, cutting it up and all that, but I'm like, no, it's fun. It's it really unrealistic that either one of these teams are going to win three in a row. Two in a row. Two mo- in a row. Two in a row. Than... That's a little more relative. Yeah, though, you, both teams are capable of doing that because even if Golden State wins game two, they could definitely go out and win game three if they, re- like, if they really – put it out there and mm-hmm. play the game that they play. So I, I still think it's going to be two and two, but again, ultimately like my whole point about the series is that whoever wins back to back first wins the series. And that's honestly what I'm just waiting to happen. And I and think, it, I think you and I can sit here and say, whoever wins the series, whether it be our team or the opponent, they'll have earned it fully. Absolutely. And I, I don't even want to think about the fact like, cause I know people are going to start going off about like, Oh, the dynasty's over and all that. I mean, it really is not because you you made the finals. And I mean, this team, six finals appearances win. in eight years. How is that not a dynasty? That's still dominating the league. Exactly. So I think as disappointing as it would be for Golden State to lose, especially all that they've been through the last disagree. Two, disagree. two, three years. Here's, I know you disagree, but I mean, as a basketball fan, I couldn't have asked for a better series. And I already know that's what we're getting. So, it, I mean, again, pure basketball. I love this. Let's get to it well that's all we have for this episode my man adam thanks so much for hopping on it's been awesome having you man absolutely i appreciate you especially for this one we're talking hoop talking golden state talking boston it's couldn't have asked for a better episode honestly yes sir for adam campos i'm liam griffin you can follow us on instagram at full court press podcast and on twitter at full cp podcast that's f-u-l-l-c-p podcast and if you want to be sitting in adam's chair you just got to get in contact with me we'll make it happen Next week, we'll have breakdowns of games two, three, and four, discuss where the hockey world stands at this point, and heck, we may even talk a little baseball. Who knows? All I know is that we will see you then.